So, Jamie, thank you for coming up here on a Sunday. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you're from Kelowna. Like, you were raised here since a young age, and then mm-hmm. you left when you were 19. Yeah. And you came back here just a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, what was it like growing up here? Was it very different than it is today? Well, I grew up in what's now called Lake Country. It used to be Winfield when I mm. was running around there. Um, and... Yeah, it was just everything that I think people come to the Okanagan to experience. So the lake and the orchards and the sun and just the farms and all of that. So I I really enjoyed my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, My family worked in Kelowna, so I was in Kelowna a lot back and forth. And eventually... Mm -hmm. I went to middle school at Hollywood Road Middle School. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So, Lake Country's changed tremendously yes. since you were a yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty small. It was super small. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it was a short, quick drive to get to Kelowna. Yeah. yeah. So, what made you leave when you were 19? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really feel like there was a lot here for me, to be honest. Mm. Um, I didn't think that there was... Um, yeah, enough that really kind of piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. And also, I had a really big travel bug, so I don't want to put that actually on the city. It right. wasn't necessarily the city's fault, but it, at that time, I was in college, and then I decided I didn't want to be in college anymore, mm-hmm. and so I left to Europe. Um, wow. Yeah. What parts? I lived primarily in Italy, mm-hmm. um, but I was in Greece and in Turkey with some girlfriends to kind of start the trip off, but then I lived in Italy for over a year. Wow. I've been to Italy, I think, six times, and not in the past 15 years, so yeah. I'm missing it. I am what, too. What cities were you? I lived in Milano, Milano, so I lived, nice. yeah, primarily there, but I traveled all around, of course. Once you're living there, you can kind of yeah, hop on a train and see whatever you want. Super easy. Did yeah. you go to Florence? Oh, yes. Yeah, I love Florence. Florence is so great. Yeah. So Milano, um, tell us a little bit about that. It's a huge city, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, very industrialized. Very industrialized. The fashion capital of Italy. Yeah. What else can you tell us about Milano? Incredibly authentic. Yeah. Like, I think there's all these other beautiful cities in in Italy, but um, Milano is, like, where you really get the authenticity of the northern part of the country. Mm. And so a lot of tourists don't go there because it's, like, incredibly industrial. Um, but, But, yeah, it's, like, amazing. Is it the largest city? In Italy, I think. I don't know. Might be big. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, well, that's how was the food? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The food and the wine. How was that? Fantastic. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they have like their bakeries and like restaurants basically open twenty four seven. So right. Oh, it's so nice. So nice. (laughs) Coffee shops and yeah. So you go drinking and then go to a coffee shop and it's just open all night. Well, and you know what's interesting? I think like that because I was in in Europe and then I ended up living in Central America for for a bigger chunk of my time away but I really when I moved back to Kelowna it was just so nice to see all of these different little shops and bakeries like Mm. there was just like the entrepreneurial community here is really thriving and like I love going to Waterfront Cafe on Abbott Street like that's oh my gosh like yeah it's so beautiful and and the staff there are just, they really treat you like your family. And, and those were the things, like those cultural elements that I didn't really find when I was younger here. And even mm-hmm. when I came back to visit, because my family's around here and a lot of my really good friends are here. Um, but over the years, Kelowna's really matured. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing that I 
really felt when I moved back. I was like, wow, I'm so proud. Like, Kelowna's really matured. And you can find these beautiful, unique spots to go. And, I mean, like, you know, get the best croissants. And (laughs) like, you don't have to go to Italy for it. It's here. It's so true. So true. So you went to Central America for a few years. Why did you leave Italy and go to Central America? Um, I left Italy and came back to the Okanagan for just a quick, teeny little stopover and realized, nope, nope, I'm not ready yet. Hmm. Um, And so then I went down to Central America. I went down there for a job Hmm. and I lived in Costa Rica and ended up buying a house and living there for quite a while and working there. Wow. Um, yeah. What did you do? In I, yeah, I worked, for, I worked for the number one development in Central America. Okay. I helped head their sales and finance department. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a really, really great experience, but it was absolutely uh, nonstop. Like, like, Working. Oh, yeah. Busy. Like, yeah, seven days a week, two days off a year, Christmas and New Year's. Like, it was, Costa Rica sounds very, like, amazing. Yeah. It is when you're on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I mean, I love the experience. It was I remember sitting in traffic. Were you in the capital of San Jose or by the coast? No, I was on the coast. So I really lucked out. I got to work in like a very, well, it's it's an American development. So I got to work in very like a corporate style American um, company, which is exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. But I got to walk out the door, look out my office window and there's like the ocean in Costa Rica. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I went there once, and uh, I remember there's kind of two areas. Well, three. Yeah. There's like the jungles, and then there's the capital city, which is huge, and then the coastal area, which is the tourist area and a lot of development mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. So you were on the coast. Yes, yeah, yeah. And San Jose, I mean, San Jose, is, it's an incredibly interesting city. Um, most of the population of the country lives in that San Jose Valley, right. and it's like you kind of get all spectrums of life. Hmm. there uh but it's very very busy um but tons of tons of stuff going on with business so a lot Hmm. of people move down there and live in the city to work um but i didn't have to which i really liked (laughs) i like being on the beach and did you learn spanish yes yeah yes i can speak spanish yeah great i guess you didn't have to with this job, or you kind of um, had to to live there. I didn't have to with the job, but I felt like a very big um, responsibility mm-hmm. to learning the language and being really immersed in the culture because I felt like I was so blessed and so grateful to be able to be living in that country and, and making the income that I was making and seeing that that's not... The, the normal way down there mm-hmm. and so I really really made a very big effort in getting involved with the schools and a lot of the um, the barrios and the areas that needed help and I just think it's really disrespectful if you're living somewhere for a period of time and you don't make an effort to learn the language. I worked with a, a lot of people um, as clients that had been down there way longer than me and just, just didn't bother didn't bother they just expected people to learn English and it's like well we're in Costa Rica like right yeah the language here is Spanish (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah so I just yeah I felt a personal need to do that that's great do you try to keep it up oh yeah absolutely I mean I still go down there all the time I operate part of my business down there and and, um our my children go down there and oh wonderful yeah that's great yeah I lived in Dominican Republic for a year and then in South Florida for two years 
So I became very fluent in Spanish, but I've lost it because I can't find anybody really that speaks it. You know what? Here. There's actually, there's a Spanish uh, conversational group oh, wow. that was happening at the Bean Scene downtown on Bernard. And there's a lady, I, I think I have her number in my phone. I'll get it for you. Um, she She's fantastic. And she does Spanish lessons and she either works, um, she'll meet her clients in Bliss Cafe or uh, at the bean scene, and she's phenomenal for Spanish. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so I can hook you up with that. That's great. Wonderful. <laughs> See, it's so cultural here now. <laughs> it, is, it is. So many great connections. Yeah, right? yeah. So you came back here a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Are you here to two, stay? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's two years this month okay. that I moved back. And, yeah, I think so. Like, my daughter just started school at Shoot Lake Road Elementary, and mm -hmm. it's so funny because I, I definitely am a gypsy. I even have it, like, in my DNA. <laughs> my mother's Hungarian, <laughs> so legitimate gypsy. Wow. And, um, and I always feel this need to be like, oh, okay, it's time to go, it's time to change. But now that I'm really setting down some roots um, with my business and with, obviously, Willow being in school, mm -hmm. I'm kind of having to go, oh, right, I nice. probably am here to stay in some capacity for a while. Well, it's a great place to live if you can travel. Yeah. Especially if you take your kids to Costa Rica and stuff. Yeah. Home, hopefully you'll stay. Well, and that was the other thing that was really appealing, too, like the international airport. Mm -hmm. So that was a big one. I know that that's, that's um, been available in the city for a while now, but that... It's important. I travel for work. Um, I travel a lot anyways. And so, yeah, having the airport right there and just kind of not having the big issues of having this teeny little airport right. <laughs> is yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, I think like, I think if you were to bet on it, I would be spending 75% of my time here. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're happy. Um, so you started a company called Sangha mm -hmm. Living. Mm -hmm. What's where, where did the name come from, first of all? So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's a few different languages that kind of claim the word, but essentially uh, it just, in, in the way that I interpret it, it means like-minded. Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting about how it kind of came to be is I first started my business in Costa Rica. So it was a retreat center okay. um, that specifically targeted um, very high-stressed corporate North Americans and brought them down to Costa Rica and essentially just handed you a beer and a hammock and said, there you go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Mission Sounds accomplished. Good to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it started off as Sangha Retreats um, and it was in Costa Rica. But I actually, what I was doing was I was developing stress management programming and testing it. Mm. on people that came down to the retreat. So they were coming for a stress management retreat, um, and I was testing my programming and my theories and my concepts and always knowing that eventually I would move this into a corporate program, um, which is kind of where we're operating and what's happening now. Nice. So is it, uh, what is it, a series of talks or... Tell us about the program. Yeah, so it's actually, it's a 90-day program based in neuroscience that essentially teaches an individual or a team or a company, depending on how they're coming on board, um, how to manage stress and how to excel in high-performance environments. So it really focuses on optimizing brain function in mm -hmm. high-pressure environments. Interesting. Yeah. Can you give us a little detail? So is it like <laughs> meditation? Um, what well, what the, are we doing? Yeah, so, so the way that I, um, that I approach it is that, you know, meditation, yoga, um, going for walks in the forest, all that stuff is fantastic. 
and they're wonderful tools to help bring more balance into your system. But a lot of people that are in high performance or have really fast schedules don't necessarily have the ability to find that magical extra hour in their life. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't, but when they're dealing with a lot of demands and pressure, we have to start really, really simple. We have to start with do your habits, do your daily routine habits, how you wake up to when you go to bed. Do you have more habits that are supporting your nervous system or do you have more habits that are stimulating and triggering your nervous system? Mm -hmm. And so the program is broken down into three phases and essentially there's a big educational component. A lot of people don't understand the biology of stress, Mm -hmm. like at all. Uh, we, we know what it feels like to be stressed. Right. We know how it impacts our sleep. We know how it impacts our relationships or our life, but we don't understand why. Mm. And so the educational component is really important. And then it's habit formation. So behavioral science, habit formation with really learning these, these little things that you do in your day-to-day, how to create efficiency mm-hmm. and to make sure that you're supporting your nervous system so that when these bigger stressors come about come about which they do mm-hmm. um you're not already held at this generalized stress response where you already have more stress hormones in your system just because of your day-to-day habits right so i mean that's kind of really uh summarizing it but yes. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit more in depth than that but but the reality of of it all is is we're really dealing with habit formation right yeah. so is it for um corporations or corporate people like can an individual take this absolutely yeah so you don't have to be part of a large company no um my my background is in finance my experience is in the corporate setting so i initially developed it um with that in mind so i work a lot with the finance industry the tech industry Mm -hmm. um things like that but absolutely the, the interesting thing is that it's applicable to everyone because every single human being on the planet has the exact same biological design yeah with your autonomic nervous system what mm-hmm. differs between you know each and every one of us is what i perceive to be stressful that right. triggers my yeah. fight or flight might be very different from what you perceive to be stressful so our associations are different but once that's happened it's all the same right so yeah. the Stress response is very similar or, or the same yeah, with all the of us. Yeah. Our triggers can be very different. Yeah. And I guess part of your course is helping people to identify what is setting these chain reactions off. Totally. I mean, and I think that, you know, outside of, of somebody that maybe really has a particular illness, like, but it generally, yes, we all we all have the same response. Um, the other thing that's, that's also really important for people to realize is when somebody's dealing with elevated stress hormones in their system, regardless of why, what industry, what life they're leading, but when you've got to that point where you're really just constantly dealing with that, um, when somebody says to you, oh, you should, you should make time to meditate mm. or you should make time to go like, you know, to go to yoga. For somebody that's at that point with how stress hormone, hormones have impacted their brain function, it's kind of like telling that person to go learn a new language. Mm. They don't have the capacity. So you have to really start small, really, really small, and start giving their nervous system a little bit of support each day. And so after time, all of a sudden, you can start entering in these bigger concepts or habits, if you will. Mm-hmm. And if, and not everybody likes yoga. So just, right. be, just because it's proven, and, it, and I think it's fantastic, and I think meditation is phenomenal, but... It's not meant for everyone. So mm-hmm. we can't have this blanketed approach to health and wellness because yeah. we're very unique. Right. So let's first start with like, 
how you go about your day, like how you use your devices, how you fuel yourself, how you, what are your sleep habits? What are the boundaries you have around that? Like, what are the, how do you associate with things? You know, what's your, what's your travel time like? Is there a habit that you can be doing in your car that helps to support your nervous system? It's, it's, it's all very individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of my, my, you know, flag in the sand and soapbox sort of stance is that I think that health and wellness a lot tries to blanket an approach for people and we forget that we're all really unique right and so we have to we can't just say well you should just meditate (laughs) i understand why the education component to start with is so important because we have to understand what's going on yeah you have to be able to care right and what's great is that you can't argue your biology Like, right. you, you can't be like, oh, well, that's not really for me. It's like, well, no, actually, that is what's happening in you. Yeah. So now, what are the things that maybe you would like to develop in terms of habits or awareness so that you can take some accountability mm-hmm. to that? Yeah. I'm um, curious. You said that uh, you developed this when you were in Costa Rica. So you're selling real estate. Were you experiencing a lot of stress or seeing people with a lot of stress? Because I think if I'm coming to Costa Rica to buy a condo mm-hmm. or a house, mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty relaxed. Like, I might be excited, <laughs> but like, um, what, what gave you that concept while you were there? I burnt out. Wow. So I burnt out heavily. Um in the work environment I was in, I was assuming the opposite. Yeah, no, you no, were, no. You know, um, doing this and. Sounded like you had all this extra time, so you started to develop a... No, I developed it after I burnt out. So I I went through, you know, your sort of typical burnout. Uh Um, You don't realize you're burning out until all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like I can't even, I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to go to work. Um, And I eventually resigned doing sort of, again, the typical thing where you're like, oh, if I just leave that, it's that environment. Mm. If I just leave that and take care of myself or, or, you know, maybe go do a a yoga teacher training or go learn to surf more, whatever, this is going, this is going to all be better. And you point the finger at the environment, but really I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything to help manage the level of stress hormones in my system. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was after I resigned, after I spent some time in Costa Rica, actually enjoying Costa Rica, um, I finally moved back to Canada. I moved to Vancouver. Mm. And what was really interesting for me was that I started to develop panic attacks and started to have anxiety um, the minute that I started working again. So I ended up working in in the finance industry, but they allowed me to work from home. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, had, had this sort of great setup. But as sort of the demands began to increase, my habitual patterns around how I managed demands and stress came right back so that's where for me it really started to just make me ask questions why right and so I spent the last 10 years doing that so researching yeah researching and working and and, um, studying so you see the stress keeps coming back in different environments so you realize it's not it's not the environment might be a trigger there yep totally but it's your internal makeup yep so, did you, working from home um, in Vancouver, did you find that uh, procrastination was an issue for you? And do you think that procrastination is a symptom of stress? Um, I I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of procrastination at all. I'm really mm. structured at home when okay. it comes to working at home. Um, 
And I also think that there's an element, too, with procrastination. A lot of people need that sort of pressure to get mm. things done. Like deadline pressure. Deadline pressure. Yeah. And, and I think that on one hand, you can say, okay, well, you know, you're just not managing your time very well. <laughs> so you're procrastinating. But on the other hand, um, that's their habit. That's their, that's their work habit. So, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that procrastination can also be part of the creative process for people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it would... It, I think for some people it can cause a lot of stress because they're let, allowing everything to pile up at the end. Uh, so, yeah, I do think there's elements of procrastination that, that add stress. Yeah. But, again, it's very unique to the individual. Some people like that pressure and then end up creating and developing and working in these beautiful, fantastic ways. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's their style. Right. Just as long as that isn't then impacting their quality of life. Right. Right. So as long as their sleep is still healthy and their autonomic nervous system is still healthy and their emotional state is healthy and physically they're not breaking down – then I would say, well, hey, if that's how you like to get your stuff done, mm-hmm. then obviously it's working for you. Right. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your research. So mm. you realized that the different environments were still causing this stress. Yeah. And, it's, and I mean, I certainly... you started to look. Yeah, I started to look. I mean, I, I certainly... I worked in a very high-pressure, high-stress environment in Costa Rica. Um, my boss was totally a tyrant. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally. However, uh, I could have excelled in there if I was able to manage things better on my end. And Mm so then I got in, I moved back to Vancouver and I was kind of going back and forth between Costa Rica. So I was leaving half time in uh, Vancouver, half time in Costa Rica, um, building this retreat center. Um, And I had a great great boss. I had a great company. I was working for a mutual fund company and it was, there should have been no real reason for why I was feeling the same way that I was feeling when I was with the tyrant boss. Mm -hmm. And I actually had weekends off every weekend and in Costa Rica, I never did. And there there just wasn't the, um, the high, high pressure yet as the demands increased and in my perception, the stress Mm -hmm. of life personally and professionally increased it came right back and it came back really quick and I started having panic attacks and that's why I was like, huh, what's going on? Right. Like, it's so weird. Like, why am I feeling this like sense of like impeding doom or like, mm-hmm. why, why am I so anxious all the time? Like, why am I reactive all the time over minor things? Yes. And so then it was like, okay, dive deep. And so I, I dove really, really deep into all the research I could get my hands on out there mm-hmm. currently. Um, so this was, you know, 10, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a different environment now. You can go online and there's all this information and all these programs. That wasn't the case right. a decade ago. Um, it was still very, very clinical. If you even went to the doctor, it was kind of like, I think I might be stressed. They're like, okay. Take these pills. Take these pills. Go to yoga. Like, there really wasn't a comprehensive analysis of, of why. Mm-hmm. And there was the people around me too. Like, nobody understood what to do. Right. I was like, I don't know what to do. And nobody else around me knew what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we have various coping mechanisms, right? People drink. um, People spend a lot of time on Facebook, you know, a lot of distractions to kind of distract from the stress. But you wake up the next morning and it's back, right? Right. And and so, yeah, a lot of um, my initial education and research was just simply my own. Um, but then I ended up being able to, um, serve as a researcher with the BC Cancer Association in Vancouver, which started to really, 
um, make things a little bit more structured and a little bit more clinical. And all of a sudden, I started connecting dots, being like, oh, this is interesting. Like in a high-performance environment with these pressures, oh, that's what's actually happening when we associate a trigger or stress. That's what happens in the nervous system. Oh, interesting. When we have stress hormones, that's what happens to the brain function. Oh, no wonder why then that, you know? And so it was kind of like I started looking at it like that. And um, and really, again, starting to test all the creating programming, starting to test it on everybody that came down to Costa Rica, Neat. Uh, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so people coming for vacation. For retreats. Uh, or to your retreats. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, so tell us about your typical client here mm-hmm. in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, is it a business person, business owner? What is a typical? It's a, like, definitely a spectrum. Um, I do deal with a lot of um, high performance businesses and business owners or individuals. So mm-hmm. I definitely am attracting the people that are riding that edge already with just their time. Mm-hmm. So they're spending more time at work than they mm-hmm. are at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to balance things, but they find that you know at home they're either quite exhausted. Or they have children, so all of a sudden it's like, there's your other full-time job mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're yep. coming back to. Um, so yeah, my, my it, it is really a spectrum. Mm-hmm. I, I work in all different industries. Right. Yeah. Uh, tell us about what kind of a transformation someone can expect if they take your full 90-day program. Yeah, and the reason why it's 90 days is because on average it takes about 66 days for somebody to develop a habit. Um, also, I find that in 90 days, whether you're working with a company that represents a quarter... So they're able to really tie things to profitability and productivity, Mm. um, as well as we tend to see your routine or your cycles. So we'll typically see um, through 90 days somebody that gets like, oh, wow, this is great. I feel amazing. And then all of a sudden something happens in work or something happens in your personal life that creates the dip. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I'm looking for that because we need to establish your baseline. This is what it feels like when you do this, 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 you get that. Oh, this is what it feels like when you don't do this, 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 you get that. Now we have the awareness. Now we have your baseline. And so then we can start working from there. But to actually establish that, we need about four to six weeks. Right. Because it's almost like we need all of your triggers to come in. Yes. You know, it's like we're always so... um, excited and like we expect like I can do this and like you're gung-ho at the beginning but the reality is we're dealing with habit loops we're Mm -hmm. dealing with neurological paths pathways in the brain that have been probably reinforced for decades (laughs) so (laughs) so like I can't come in and like wave this magic wand and all of a sudden be like you're fixed right yeah no it totally makes sense yeah we need to understand like your rhythms yes so yeah. are you having a daily conversation with them? Are they journaling or... Uh, so we, um, it works there. Yeah, there's, so there's the educational component that happens at each phase. So each, every four weeks, there's a really big edu- educational component that would encompass usually a workshop or something. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is every week there is a uh, habit or a, um, an action item that mm-hmm. you would do. And then I actually track daily what you're doing so you don't actually speak to me on the phone we check in once every week and if I'm with a company then I'm in the office right. checking in with all of the individuals for 15 20 minutes an hour depending um, depending on how many people there are or the extents of the program mm-hmm. um, but then everything just builds and so I constantly constantly am collecting data on all of these nervous systems 
and trying to analyze and find patterns and what what may work for you isn't going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So again, this goes back to that element of like, yeah, I could come in and say, this is how your biology is. And now everybody do this. But the reality is you may not want to do it. Right. Right? Because yeah. maybe you're like, I don't feel like doing that. So I need to make sure that what I'm getting you to do you understand the science behind why, mm-hmm. and it actually is applicable to your unique routine. Because right. at the end of the day, what we're trying to do each week is support the nervous system a little bit more, right. a little bit more, and a little bit more. So when I start asking you to do these bigger things in like four or six weeks, you're like, yeah, no problem. I'm already feeling a difference. Give right. it to me. I'm ready. Very cool. Yeah. So um, would you like to nominate someone? Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to nominate Charity Gerbrandt. Has she been on yet? No. She's very interesting. Um, Tell us about Charity a little bit. Okay, so I've just recently met Charity um, in the last three months. And she has kind of been from uh, the beginning of the tech industry here, the growth of tech industry. So she was with Club Peglin and then ended up moving with into Disney and... She's just such an interesting person um, right. in, yeah, in the community, and she's involved um, artistically in the community and creatively, but then also in tech, and yeah, so nice. I think you'd really enjoy talking to her. Does she have a company today? She, she works for a company out of Montreal. She actually lives here, but then travels as well for okay. work, which I find a lot of people are doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty great. Yeah. Um, would you spell that G-E-R-B-R-A-N-D-T? D-T, yes. Right. And um, also I think another person that would be great to talk to is Andrew Greer. Um, he has a social impact company, and I'm, I'm probably not describing that perfectly, a little tech, a tech company, but he um, it's called Purple, which is spelled P-U-R-P-L. And it's an acronym. It stands for something lovely to do with people. And again, I'll probably screw that up, so I'll let him talk to you about it. No problem. But he's very, very interesting as well in terms of what he's trying to do to impact um, our community and to empower um, like uh, community-based businesses and social enterprises and things like that. Um, so yeah, he'd be another great person. Are you taking the medications that people are taking, the vitamins? Is that part of the essential system that yeah, you're looking so- into? So I certainly, I'd like to understand if somebody's taking medication. Um, obviously, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a doctor. So I like, to, I like to take in all the information of what's happening in your unique system and then going, okay, how do we, how do we analyze and develop the mm-hmm. right habits around this? Um, but I absolutely do focus on um, the vitamins and minerals that are needed for your brain to manufacture neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and melatonin. Um, when we are dealing with a lot of stress, your body rips through vitamins and minerals. It rips through the nutrients because it's it's exhausting being held at that state where like literally that was designed to either fight a tiger or run away from it or right. like stand really really still until it moves away. Like it's it's a full sort of it's, it's all hands on deck um, in terms of your entire body when you have a stress response. And so when that happens. Um, your brain's like, hey, give me, give me all the fuel I need. Like we, we have to, we have to get everything going. And so a lot of times people don't realize that they're deficient. Um, and so the brain, actually, an interesting thing, um, your brain uses your dopamine to manufacture your stress hormones. Wow. So that's kind of like the double-edged sword, where it's like 
okay, so my brain uses a lot of my nutrients when I'm stressed, um, and then my brain also uses my dopamine to manufacture these stress hormones mm. or some of the stress hormones. So, um, so it's really, really important that, like, for instance, vitamin C, um, B-complex, magnesium, L-tyrosine, like, these are things that, you know, I would certainly go into Nature's Fair, like, I'm such a fan of Nature's Fair natural mm -hmm. resources down on Ellis, yes. where you can go and just simply say, hey, I heard this. Like, it, should I be taking this? And they usually have dietitians right on floor or, you know, just very, very knowledgeable people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, because I want to make sure, disclaimer, <laughs> like, <laughs> don't start taking what I'm saying without checking with your doctor. Um, but, but yeah, these are things that we should be paying attention to. Um, again, I think with health and wellness, it's like, all, oh, well, you should become a vegetarian or you should stop eating gluten or you should do this or that. And it's like... Maybe you really like bread <laughs> and maybe you're okay not being like the fittest person in the world because you just mm -hmm. enjoy bread. So, right. you know, like, yes. great. Yeah. So like, for me, yeah, right. So like I approach it more like, I don't care what, what you love to eat. Yeah. What I care about in terms of stress is ensuring that your brain has the right building blocks to mm -hmm. manufacture those things that it needs. Right. Because when we have low level nutrients, that in itself is super triggering to the nervous system. Like you will actually be triggered mm -hmm. because you're, the nervous system is trying to give you a message. Hey, pay attention. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not operating properly right now. But then when we're stressed, we don't have time, so we eat this like quick processed food, and we don't realize that we're actually compounding stress just with these habits. Right. So yeah. So it's about optimizing the individual, not trying to change them into a different individual. Hundred percent. Couldn't have right. said it better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you feel like a counselor when you have to delve into the ingrained habits? I mean, it's it's interesting. There probably is a, an element of, yeah, that sort of in setting. And you, you end up developing like really um, intimate, if you will, relationships with mm -hmm. people because stress impacts everything. You come in and at first you're talking about their work environment, so they're they're less guarded. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, all of a sudden, you know, four weeks later, we're talking about how it's impacting your marriage or what have you. So I have to, again, like I'm not a psychologist, so I always bring it back to like the biology of stress and, mm -hmm. and that. But absolutely, I mean, people cry with me a lot. <laughs> but, but it's also because I think, too, like we're never given the opportunity to have a low-risk conversation around the fact that like I can't handle my shit right now right you know yeah, and true. and Our culture doesn't let us no yeah. and and it, it almost feels like this moral failing right. that I don't and I and I go listen the reason why you, you can't handle it is because you don't understand that yeah. it's just and, and that's okay so let's let's create that understanding let's develop the awareness and then you can operate from choice and then if you're going to still do all those things that you now know are not healthy for your nervous system when you're in your work week, well, that's on you. You're yeah. an adult, right? <laughs> right. But until yeah. then, we need to... I really encourage people that I work with to approach it like they're researchers. Yes. So, like, what's the data showing us? Instead of it being emotionally yeah. connected, like, I can't handle my life. It's like, let's see let's see what the data is showing us right now. Let's see what messages your nervous system's giving you. Oh, you're not sleeping very well right now. Well, what kind of message would that be and why? Let's figure out why. Mm -hmm. Instead of like, you, you can't handle your life. <laughs> like right. that's, that's, that's not a good approach. That's that blanket again. Right, exactly. Or, oh, just, you, you know, everybody, when, they st when a lot of people approach burnout, all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm taking a vacation. Mm -hmm. 
super reactive. Mm-hmm. So when you come back, guess what? About 10 days later, mm-hmm. same things. You're just starting that cycle again. Yeah. Right. So what's the best way for someone to find out more about yeah. your programs? And it's pronounced Sangha? Yeah. Uh, but, okay. I, 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 but I'm happy with, if people say Sangha too, it, it's either or. It's however you want it to be. Okay. <laughs> so what's the best way for people to find out more? Or to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely go to the website. So that's sanghaliving.com. Um, we are on social, but you won't necessarily find me on social. I mm-hmm. have a fantastic student that works with me. Um, but, but yeah, there is the social media. So at Sangha Living on Instagram, Sangha Living Facebook, um, it is managed, but I have quite a strong boundary around that because mm. it's distracting for me. I see. Yeah. So. <laughs> I turned off notifications on my social media because yeah. it's like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, so. I do, I do, I do pop on every now and then, but it's very, very sporadically. Yeah. Um, one of my girlfriends just was like, cause I, she just had a great trip and she, and I was like, how was your trip? And she's, and she's like, well, didn't you see the pictures on Instagram? And I was like, no, I don't follow you guys on Instagram. I don't follow, I don't, I'm not really on there. And she's like, well, how do you know what we're up to? And I'm like, I just asked. <laughs> it's great. Wow. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Awesome. It's been a yeah. great conversation. Yeah. A good way to kick off our Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I have two more people. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, so one more person would be Jay Gervais. So him and his family moved out here long, 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 long time ago from, I want to say Manitoba, I think. Mm. Um, but they have been like quite a staple down by the Grand. Mm. So his family did all the boat rentals and like even, you know, those little paddle boats it, that go through, what's that area there? Uh, well, there's like the, the lockups. Yeah, yeah, the canals. Yeah. 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 So um, he might be really interesting to talk to because they've been quite a staple in that part of the city for cool. a long time. Um, and then Reagan Hall, with Blonde Store. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So she has Blonde Store down on Bernard, which is just obviously a fantastic place to go shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe she was born and raised here. And so she's, she's very, very interesting to talk to as well. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret. And that is, he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time. So he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Luke can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent, and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Makus a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273, 778-215-4273 to chat with Luke about real estate.